Welcome to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. I'm Josh Elledge, founder and CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We turn entrepreneurs into media celebrities, grow their authority, and help them build partnerships with top influencers. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show, where I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspiration podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. All right, with us right now, we've got Brian Ahern. Brian, you are the founder and CEO of InfluencePeople.biz, and you're the author of the book, Influence People. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me on, Josh. I've been looking forward to it. Well, Brian, this is a subject, as you can imagine, this is a subject I really geek out on. Like, I, I don't think that people, here's my opinion, I don't think that people can over-invest in this topic. I think it is so critical today. I think that we've never been in an economy where consumers, and everybody's a consumer, it doesn't matter who you're marketing or reaching out to, I don't think we've ever lived in a time where people are more fickle, more protective of their attention than we live in right now. And so the message that you share, I just want to make sure that if someone's just going to casually listen to this podcast, I, I want to make sure you we have your full attention because I think what we're going to talk about uh, cannot be overstated. It, it's so critical today. Uh, here's the biggest softball in the world. Would you agree? <laughs> Abs- absolutely. I, I often share a, a quote um, <clears throat> that comes from a man named William C. Taylor. And, and in your field, you, you may remember this, Josh. He had a quote in an article called Permission Marketing for the magazine Fast Company. And he said, this year, the average consumer will see or hear a million marketing messages that's about 3,000 a day. Now, mm-hmm. when I share that and I ask audiences, how many of you have ever heard that? Almost no hands go up. And then I say, it doesn't surprise me because the quote's from 1998. Back in wow. 1998, over 20 years ago, they estimated that you and I and everybody else was being bombarded with 3,000 messages a day. And the latest uh, stat that I saw is it's estimated to be about 5,000. So, there's no right. way a human being can, can focus on that many messages. So understanding how to be clear, how to tap into the, how people think at the subconscious level is, to use your word, critical. Yeah. You know, American Marketing Association, I know, has done some work on that. And it is, it's, it's thousands of marketing messages a day. So, so, Brian, if that is just the way that it is, I mean, these are the facts. And so, it's, you know, we can hope and wish that our clients or our potential customers would see our solutions or our products and services like we do. The fact is that they don't because there's way too many other things competing for their attention. So knowing that we live in this world, one, you know, how I refer to it is, you know, the world we live in is, is a swipe left, swipe right world. Mm -hmm. And that is, is that people are just continually swiping left on marketing messages until there's something that stands out. And so, Brian, how, how do we stand out in, in such a noisy world? Well, first of all, I think it's important for listeners to understand that the vast majority of decision-making happens at the subconscious level. Mm-hmm. And so some of the things that you and I will talk about, that people will undoubtedly think, that stuff doesn't work on me. And when somebody says that to me, I just smile because I know that's the person it works on best. 
because they're most unaware. If nine, basically nine out of every 10 decisions we're making are at the subconscious level, that means we're not consciously thinking about it. The principles of influence that I teach people about that Robert Cialdini popularized operate primarily at the subconscious level. And when you begin to bring those into your marketing, your advertising, your verbal communication, it impacts people's thinking, even if they're not outwardly conscious of it. And the studies are replete. There's no doubt about it when you read the research. And and you mentioned Robert Cialdini, and and a lot of folks are going to be familiar with his work. Um, Can you kind of talk about your relationship with with Robert? Sure. Uh, I actually uh, came across Robert Cialdini because a coworker gave me a video when he presented at Stanford back in, I don't know, 2001 or 2002. And I was intrigued because I was involved in sales training. So I thought what he's talking about is the underpinnings of sales training. I appreciated his view or his stance on um, scientific research, not anecdote to make decisions, but most of all, his stance on ethics. He was very clear about non-manipulative ways. Now, the interesting thing is when I signed up for Stanford's marketing, and one day I got one of their marketing pieces and it had his picture and bold letters that said, bestseller, call it influence persuasion or even manipulation, right in the headline. Mm. And I couldn't let that go unaddressed. So I emailed Stanford and basically said this, Josh, I don't know anybody who wants to be known as a good manipulator. And I certainly don't know anybody who wants to be manipulated. That word cannot be helping your sales, but it really could be hurting. I never heard from Stanford, but one day my phone rang at work and it was Robert Cialdini's office calling me. They said, email to Stanford. And because of that, they're changing the marketing of all of our materials. And that was how my relationship with him started. Wow. Yeah. And so... Give me the basic premise uh, of your book, Influence People. And so, by the way, in this book is available on Amazon. You can yes. obviously go to influencepeople.biz and yep. you can access this as well. Yep. And uh, ho- hopefully my audio recording will be out in January. I, last week I recorded that. Now we're in the editing stages. Nice. The premise of the book is this. There, there are many people who hear Robert Cialdini speak. They may read his book. Some people might find his book too technical because it goes deep into research. Mm -hmm. What I have found in having taught this now for more than a dozen years is quite often people are fascinated by the research, but they still fall short in how they can actually implement it. And I am not a behavioral economist or a social psychologist. I love that stuff and I enjoy reading about it, learning and teaching it. But my, my niche is to help people understand how to put that into practice. And so my book is, is full of the practical application stories where companies did things well, where they did things the wrong way, how to use it in your social media, but very short practical chapters on how to apply the what we call principles of influence. And um, so let's say that someone is, um, you know, they, they're kind of working on, they, they want to improve their website, they want to improve their branding, their messaging. I mean, what would be some of the first foundational things that they should, like if they're doing a, an audit of their own branding and messaging, what would be some things that they probably want to be looking out for in the year 2020 and beyond? Okay. Well, I think if somebody's going to be looking at you and others and trying to make a decision as to where they want to do business, there are three things that really come into play immediately. One is social proof. 
are other people doing business with this organization. Mm -hmm. If lots of people are, that's usually a good indicator that it's probably a good thing to do, that you can trust that organization. The other is authority. Is this organization or individual really an expert? Do they bring something to the table that I probably do not get apart from interacting with an expert? And then the third thing would be scarcity. Is, are they offering something that is unique and different that I can't get elsewhere? And quite often with products, there may not be one thing that's unique. It may end up being the combination of things. And so can I position my offering in a way that says this is unique? And I will give you an example for myself. Uh, my, part of my uniqueness is Robert Cialdini only certified 20 people in the world to do teaching on his behalf. I can narrow that further to say I'm the only person who is in the insurance space. I spent over three decades in that industry. Mm-hmm. There's, a company cannot go hire somebody to do what I do because there's nobody else who's doing what I, what I do. So there is part of my uniqueness, but also the expertise and my association with Robert Cialdini, my years of doing work. So I would say those are the three keys that somebody is going to want to start focusing on right off the bat. Yeah. How about uh, when it comes to someone who does a lot of retail sales? Like they're, they're, they have a lot of calls. They're just calling on potential clients. And uh, how important is it uh, if someone is, is reaching out, they're doing their lead gen, uh, and they hope to get people on a call? How important and, and what, some, what are some things that we should do just in terms of um, you know, kind of doing our persuasion, as it were, uh, to, to kind of warm up uh, a, a client so that they enter that call, not with an attitude of like, all right, what are you going to sell me to one where they coming in with a little bit more trust? Okay. Well, we, when we deal with people and we talk about principle of authority, principle of authority says that, that we look to those with superior wisdom or expertise. Yeah. Um, part of that is there, there's a credibility factor you've got to know your stuff. You, but if you also don't have trust, then you're not going to be viewed uh, as somebody that they want to do business with. I mean, just think of Bernie Madoff, right? Mm-hmm. He knows more about investing than you and I do, uh, but nobody would trust him with the money. And then there's other people that we trust implicitly like our loved ones, but we might not go to them for financial advice. You, you've got to have both of those. And in much the same way that we talked about the website, if somebody is going to take your call They need to have some understanding that other people are doing business with you. They don't want to roll the dice and be the first customer. They need to know, too, that you really do know your stuff. They're not as likely to take the phone call from somebody who's a brand new rep versus somebody who might have been doing it for 5, 10, 15 years. And then thirdly, and, and this one I think becomes really important, is the scarcity. Are you offering something that is different enough that it piques my interest? And if you aren't, well, then there's plenty of people that I can turn to. So why do I want to do business with you? You're just a dime a dozen. So you've got to be able to, in your communication, make those three things stand out so somebody is willing to take that call. And then during that call, you've got to be able to reinforce that. And then the rest of it depends on how long your sales cycle is. I mean, for some people, they're trying to make the sale right there on the phone. For others, that first phone call is only, can we get together in person so that we can talk in much greater detail? So It'll depend on that sales cycle, but but those are three uh, absolutely have to haves. Well, and I know you have a lot of background in the insurance industry, and and I know one complaint that I'll hear commonly uh, is that gosh, it just takes so long to close people, and I wish it didn't. Mm-hmm. Any tips for uh, shortening sales cycles? 
Well, I think when I talk to insurance agents, and, and that has been the niche market that I worked primarily with, especially when I was with the insurance company, I always tell them, you know, while you want to increase sales, the, the biggest focus that you need to have is the protection of that customer. If you, if you position everything right, the sales ultimately come. And so we like to talk about informing people along the way into yes, by bringing up things that maybe their current agent isn't talking about in a way that makes somebody say, you know what, I've been buying insurance for 10, 20, 30 years, and I never knew because that, that agent is educating them across the board. I think the other thing, too, for uh, people in sales, and again, I'll use an insurance agent as an example, is to very clearly set the rules up front. In sales, we may call it the upfront close, but I want to say, you know, Josh, tell me exactly what you are looking for in terms of your product or in terms of insurance purchase, because if I can't do that, I'm going to remove myself from this and it's going to just save you time. It'll save me time. But if I can do these things, I need to know that, that you're serious about making this move. And so setting those rules up front can save a salesperson, and in particular insurance, a tremendous amount of time because there's, frankly, there's a lot of people who will go out and every two years get quotes from three different insurance um, agents or carriers just to keep their current agent honest. Well, that becomes an exercise in futility for a lot of people when a lot of salespeople, when individuals are doing that, you need to be able to sniff that out and become much more focused with your time. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously, social media is a very powerful tool uh, that, that we can use in, in business and in kind of uh, engaging uh, and building our relationship with our audience. What are some of your best practices that you'd recommend, again, in the year 2020 and beyond? Okay, uh, LinkedIn. For most people, that <laughs> is going to be yeah. the, the social media avenue of choice when you're in business. I mean, certainly you can generate some business through Facebook and, and Twitter, but the professionals are all aggregating and your customers are probably aggregating around LinkedIn. So whenever I reach out to somebody on LinkedIn, I personalize the message. I want to make sure that there's a reason. I, I never, ever, ever send the, I'd like to connect with you on LinkedIn. That's yeah. terrible. They, yeah. They've dumbed it down and made it, too, made it too easy. So I will have a personal message. Now, to ensure somebody reads it, because frankly, there's a lot of people who will see the request and just hit connect and not read it, I will always follow up afterwards and say, Josh, thanks for connecting. Because that gets them to look at that message and they read the prior message like, oh, that's why he reached out that almost always gets conversation going. Now, mm. on the other side, if somebody reaches out to me, I don't hold them to the standard that I have because I don't know how well-versed they are in LinkedIn. But if they reach out to me and they don't put a message, I will always put a message back that says, hey, Josh, thanks for reaching out to connect. I'm curious, how did you find me? Yeah. What I get most of the time is people are saying, oh, I just took your course on LinkedIn. Well, that's a oh. potential customer for me. And if I held an attitude that, I'm not going to connect with you because I don't know you and you didn't send a message. Shame mm. on me because I'm turning away potential customers. Yeah. Yeah. I really love that. Um, what has, speaking of LinkedIn specifically, I, I, you know, that's how we are doing, I'd say, of our new relationships. I'd say right now it's like 85, 90% of our new business relationships come through LinkedIn. It's, it, you know, if you are in the B2B world, I just don't think that there's anything that comes close right now that I know of. Um, how, how, how valuable has LinkedIn been to you? Incredibly valuable. In fact, I'm heading down to Miami on Saturday to do 
a second and then ultimately a third uh, workshop for a company that found me through LinkedIn. And so when the individual called and we began this conversation, I said, how, how did you come across? And he said, I was familiar with Cialdini's work and I knew we needed to bring this into our organization. And I had one of my associates go out and just start um, doing a search on Cialdini. Your profile came up and it was perfect for what we're doing. Yeah. It, it was that marriage of sales and, and psychology. So, I mean, that's going to, it's a huge contract for me. And it's going to be, I think, a long-term relationship, all because I worked really hard on my LinkedIn profile to make it stand out. Uh, so, Brian, when you obviously you've been in the uh, insurance industry for decades, um, and, and at some point uh, you made the decision to kind of maybe, and I don't know if you're still associated with uh, your insurance company that you were working with previously, but you went independent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what was that transition like and how are you, cause there's a lot of people that like, listen, I really love teaching on this subject. Uh, you know, how can I grow my authority and or visibility and how can I land more speaking engagements? You know, how can I really grow my independent brand? What, what was your, what were your secrets? Well, when I came across this material, I was just fascinated by it. And one day I was talking to a friend and he said, boy, this is really interesting. You should start a blog. Now, this goes back to, I think, 2009 or 2008. I'm like, what's a blog? (laughs) And Mm. I went out and I looked and clicked on eBlogger and I started blogging. And it was at that point when I started to realize this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. And I don't know when the jumping off point will be from the insurance company, but I know I'd have to build the foundation now. So over the course of time, I was doing some work outside of insurance, but I was primarily honing my skills with salespeople within the insurance space. I was working on my ability to speak in front of organizations because I could speak at at the company. So I I really looked at it as I am now laying the foundation for whenever that right time is. And I didn't have a specific date, but all of a sudden last year, late last year, I made the decision that now was the right time. I already had the website. I had built out the LinkedIn profile. I had the street cred um, with people well outside of the insurance company. And I am so thankful, Josh, that I did that because even with all of that in place, I've been amazed at how much work it is. When somebody will say like, oh, you retired? I'm like, no, I work more days, longer hours than I ever have. But I will say this, I love it because it's self-directed. It's what I love doing and I get to choose where I'm going to place my time. Yeah, excellent. Well, Brian Ahern, you are the founder and CEO of Influence People on the web at influencepeople.biz and you are the author of the best-selling Amazon book, Influence People, Powerful Everyday Opportunities to Persuade that are lasting and ethical. Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it was my pleasure, Josh. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now, if you've got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Now, if you do that, tag us with the hashtag UpMyInfluence. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. Now, what do you win? 
where we're going to promote you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans totally free. Now, can you also hook us up? Now, in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now, my name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now, thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Thank you.